0: Hi and welcome to another episode of A Shot Glass of Recovery with your host Julie, half of the dynamic duo that brings you the podcast Two Sober Chicks. Hey y'all, how are you? I haven't talked to you in a couple of days. I'm still in Tennessee, I was in Nashville and now I'm in Franklin, um... Franklin, I love you so much. Please adopt me. I just love this state, period. Tennessee is so beautiful. I love everything about it. So, today we're going to continue with the traditions. This podcast will be looking at Tradition Nine. Tradition Nine. She's better than a fine one. Don't drink wine. Just read Tradition Nine. You're welcome. Okay, so at every AA group, we have the 12 steps and 12 traditions. Both of them are read in meetings, and we read the short form. But for this podcast, I read the long form first. So Tradition 9 reads as follows on page 191 of the 12 and 12, the 12 traditions and 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. 9. Each AA group needs the least possible organization. Rotating leadership is the best. The small group may elect its secretary, the large group its rotating committee, and the groups of a large metropolitan area, their central or intergroup committee, which often employs a full-time secretary. The trustees of the General Service Board are, in effect, our AA General Service Committee. They are the custodians of our AA tradition and the receivers of voluntary AA contributions by which we maintain our AA general service office at New York. They are authorized by the groups to handle our overall public relations, and they guarantee the integrity of our principal newspaper, the AA Grapevine. By the way, that is a super cool little magazine. I absolutely love the AA Grapevine. If you can get your hands on it, do it. It's a really good read. All such representatives are to be guided in the spirit of service, for true leaders in AA are but trusted and experienced servants of the whole. They derive no real authority from their titles. They do not govern. Universal respect is the key to their usefulness. That is dry, so let's see what the 12 and 12 has to say. Tradition 9. This is the short form that we read at meetings. AA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. This is on page 172 of the 12 and 12. When Tradition 9 was first written, it is said that Alcoholics Anonymous needs the least possible organization. In years since then, we have changed our minds about that. Oh, good. Today, we are able to say with assurance that AA as a whole should never be organized at all. Then, in seeming contradiction, we proceed to create special service boards and committees, which in themselves are organized. How then can we have an unorganized movement which can and does create a service organization for itself? Scanning this puzzler, people say, what do they mean no organization? Well, let's see. Did anyone ever hear of a nation, a church, a political party, even a benevolent association that had no membership rules? Did anyone ever hear of a society which couldn't somehow discipline its members and enforce obedience to necessary rules and regulations? Doesn't nearly every society on earth give authority to some of its members to impose obedience upon the rest and to punish or expel offenders? Therefore, every nation, in fact every form of society, has to be a government administered by human beings. Power to direct or govern is the essence of organization everywhere. Yet Alcoholics Anonymous is an exception. It does not conform to this pattern. Neither its general service conference, its foundation board, nor the humblest group committee can issue a single directive to an AA member and make it stick, let alone mete out any punishment. We've tried it lots of times, but utter failure is always the result. Groups have tried to expel members, but the banished have come back to sit in the meeting place saying, this is life for us, you can't keep us out. Committees have instructed many an in AA to stop working on a chronic backslider, only to be told, how, do I do my, how I do my 12-step work is my business. Who are you to judge? This doesn't mean an AA won't take advice or suggestions from more experienced members, but he surely won't take orders. Who is more unpopular than the old-time AA, full of wisdom, who moves to another area and tries to tell the group there how to run its business? He and all like him who, quote, view with alarm for the good of AA, meet the most stubborn resistance, or worse still, laughter. You might think AA's headquarters in New York would be an exception. Surely the people there would have to have some authority. But long ago, trustees and staff members alike found they could do no more than make suggestions, and very mild ones at that. They even had to coin a couple of sentences, which still go into half the letters they write. Quote, of course, you are at perfect liberty to handle this matter any way you please. But the majority experience in AA does seem to suggest dot dot dot. Now, that attitude is far removed from central government, isn't it? We recognize that alcoholics can't be dictated to, individually or collectively. At this juncture, we can hear a churchman exclaim, they are making disobedience a virtue. He is joined by a psychiatrist who says, defiant brats, they won't grow up and conform to social usage. The man in the street says, I don't understand it, they must be nuts. But all these observers have overlooked something unique in Alcoholics Anonymous. Unless each AA member follows to the best of his ability our suggested 12 steps to recovery, he almost certainly signs his own death warrant. His drunkenness and dissolution are not penalties inflicted by people in authority. They result from his personal disobedience to spiritual principles. The same stern threat applies to the group itself. Unless there is approximate conformity to AA's 12 traditions, the group too can deteriorate and die. So we of AA do obey spiritual principles, first because we must and ultimately because we love the kind of life such obedience brings. Great suffering and great love are AA's disciplinarians. We need no others. Oh, I love that. It is clear now that we ought never to name boards to govern us, but it is equally clear that we shall always need to authorize workers to serve us. It is the difference between the spirit of vested authority and the spirit of service, two concepts which are sometimes poles apart. It is in the spirit of service that we elect the AA Group's Informal Rotating Committee, the Intergroup Association for the Area, and the General Service Conferences of Alcoholics Anonymous for AA as a whole. Even our foundation, once an independent board, is today directly accountable to our fellowship. Its trustees are the caretakers and expediters of our world services. Just as the AA, just as the aim of each AA member is personal sobriety, the aim of our services is to bring sobriety within reach of all who want it. If nobody does the group's chores, if the area's telephone rings unanswered, if we do not reply to our mail, then AA as we know it would stop. Our communication lines with those who need our help would be broken. AA has to function. But at the same time, it must avoid those dangers of great wealth, prestige, and entrenched power which necessarily tempt other societies. Though Tradition 9 at first seems to deal with a purely practical matter, in its actual operation, it discloses a society without organization, animated only by the spirit of service, a true fellowship. So that was pretty boring, in my opinion. Okay, what I really loved was when I said, oh, I love that. Great suffering and great love are AA's disciplinarians. We need no others. Oh my God, that's so good. So great suffering is an amazing disciplinarian because let's be honest, if we weren't suffering in our addiction, why the hell would we ever show up at a 12-step meeting? So the suffering brings us to that bottom my pastor has said in the past the harder the bottom the higher the bounce i believe that we have to have gratitude for our bottoms no matter how hard they were without that suffering we wouldn't enter a fellowship where we can live life freed from the ravages of our addiction we can have real true abiding relationships and friendships we have a guide to life that actually works everything can be run through the 12-step filter Um, That reminds me actually last night I was at a dinner here perhaps with a southern man and his friends and one of the gentlemen at the table point blank asked me about my faith path because he found out that I was in school um, I was in seminary to training to become a pastor doing my masters of divinity in theological studies I love theology and I said I made a joke about well you're going to be sorry you asked that question in about 10 seconds and I said I am an alcoholic in recovery and through the process of the 12-step program I had to become willing to believe in a higher power in order to get recovered so the journey from that went from higher power to God to Jesus and that's my faith trajectory (laughs) and he went my wife is in recovery and that started a really cool discussion and we talked a little bit about meetings and um, the steps. And another gentleman at the table said that he had been to several AANNA meetings. And he discussed his own journey. He's no longer in the 12-step fellowship. But he said, it helped me so much. He no longer struggles with booze and drugs. Um, he does a little marijuana. Actually, he does a lot of it. And he's concerned it might be too much. I mean, you don't have that concern unless there's a problem. And he asked questions like, you know, I don't know if I'm an an addict and I don't know how you define addiction. I said, personally, I define addiction as engaging in the same behavior over and over again, despite horrid consequences to your life or the lives of others. If you can't stay away from it, then to me, that is an addict. And I'm always very careful to say to me, in my opinion, in my experience, I never claim absolutes like this is this and that is that. And he talked about being still very curious about step nine. And he said, and he had a really great memory for someone that hasn't been in a while. He's like, I think step one is when you're powerless and things are unmanageable. I'm like, yep. He's like, step two is a higher power. I'm like, yep. Step three is, sorry. Do you hear that? It's playing my music. Uh, Anyways. And so I said, well, this spiritual principle of step nine is justice, which would make sense if you are going to right your wrongs. And I told him that the point is never to ask for an apology because it's not about us. It's to apologize. It's to ask if we can do, if we've missed anything, if we can do anything better and then making it better. I also did say, you know, there's a reason there's eight steps before nine because you want to be grounded. Each step follows the next and all of the principles before you hit step nine. But I said in the outside world, you can make amends at any time. Like forgiveness is a powerful thing. And we had an amazing discussion about recovery and forgiveness and the steps. And then other people at the table were asked like, have you ever been to a meeting? And the other two gentlemen there were like, yeah, I've gone to support someone. It was really cool. I really enjoyed that. And so by me being vulnerable and unashamed to say what I am and that I'm an alcoholic in recovery, it gave the other two people courage to say it themselves, which is why I know Alcoholics Anonymous is a anonymous program. I know it's attraction rather than promotion, but if I can quote-unquote promote AA through a good life to someone that might have a seed planted to help them, I mean, why wouldn't I want to do that? Some people would look at this podcast as promotion. I don't care. What I care about is that, The still suffering addict has a chance at a good life and I'm not the only person that has the story to say it works. There's hundreds of thousands of others if not millions. So that's my comments on the great suffering being a great disciplinarian. Great love are AA's disciplinarians. I like that a lot because love often keeps us in a good program of discipline for example I love my life and I love my body and I love my health and because I love those things I am disciplined to work out twice a week and to put good things into my body because I love my friends and I'm much more disciplined now not to have a sharp tongue. Um, because I love God, I treasure his creation. So I think looking at suffering, great suffering, not just suffering and love, great suffering and great love are two of the best teachers. And I think we get a really cool mix of both in the rooms. We get the newbies or the oldies that are still very much suffering. And then we have the love that we show for each other and are able to manifest in a proper human dignified fashion through our steps. So I hope you have enjoyed Step 9. I will not sing that jingle to you because it was terrible and I don't remember the tune. So I'm glad to welcome you back. I'm glad to be back with you guys. I will chat with you tomorrow. If you need to reach me, you can email me at twosoberchicks at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. At Two Sober Chicks, you can direct message us, both Lisa and I respond. It's kind of like a mixed bag of who gets what response, but I always enjoy your emails and your comments and your suggestions and your corrections and all the rest of it, so please never hesitate to reach out. I've met so many cool people through the listenership of this little podcast that Lisa and I started like four years ago on her condo floor sharing one mic it's really been truly an extraordinary journey so I thank you for my sobriety and I wish you another great 24.